0: To Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast Where we bring you the Word of God wherever you are We pray that you be blessed by God's Word this week The message for today is from fear to faith from fear to faith, embracing God's plan for change. Let's look into this passage of Scripture. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 to 14. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord, they say to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight to you. You only need to be still. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your passage of Scripture. We invite you into this place right now. Father, I pray that you hide me behind the cross as I deliver your word. May your word go forth in power. May it bless your people. May it encourage them to live the life that you want them to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We know the background of this story. Right? They have just gone through the Exodus experience, moving out from Egypt and now in the wilderness. And before them was the Red Sea. Behind them were the pursuing armies of Egypt. Have you been in a situation like this? You know, the Chinese say, "qing Tui Niang Ran, right? It's hard to move ahead, it's also difficult to move backward. Have you been caught in a rock and a hard place? You feel trapped and helpless this is a no win situation there will be no options available the outcome whatever your decision may be will be disastrous Uh, so how do you handle a situation like this do you resist the change that you are about to face or what do we need to do so the first point that we need to be aware of is that we need to acknowledge that change is inevitable now turn to your neighbor and say to one another change is inevitable right change is inevitable Ah, look with me again what did god promise the israelite people exodus chapter 6 verse 6 to 8 it says therefore say to the israelites i'm the lord and i will bring you out from under the yoke of the egyptian I will free you from being slave to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I saw with uplifted hands to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Right? Looking at the, into this passage, what could be three major changes that God promised the Israelites? There were three key promises here, right? From what to what? And you can look into this scripture. Right, I will free you from being slave. So what are the three major promises that God has? There's a change of status for the Israelites. They were slaves in Egypt, 430 years. They know nothing but slavery. They know nothing but hard work and hard labour. And right now, what did God promise them? For them to be set free. There was also a change of identity. In Egypt, They were just an ethnic group of people. And right now, when God called them out from Egypt, there is that promise, right, of being God's chosen people. And what else? There's also a change of territory. Before that, they have no state. They are stateless people. Think about the Rohingya. Think about many people group, the Kirks the, the in, in Iraq. They they are a people group without boundary, without land, without a state. Right? So a change of territory from stateless people to nationhood. There are many major Changes for the Israelite. And we all know that now, now we live in what we call a VUCA. world. How many of us know what VUKA stands for? VUCA? Yes, you know huh? a world. VUCA, right? VUCA world, volatility. In a volatile world. What else? Huh? It's uncertain. There's a lot of uncertainty in this world. It's also ambiguous. Right? Or complex first and then ambiguous. This is a VUCA. world. That's why this Greek philosopher, Heraclitus says this: huh? change is the only constant in life. Whatever you experience, you need to, you will encounter change, right? So how do you navigate a world like this, whereby it's very uncertain and volatile, and ambiguous, hazy? You know, there's no right or wrong. It's a matter of interpretation. Somebody just said that we are closer." To a third world war right now Than any point in history Over the last 70 years Think about Ukraine war They are now mounting A major spring offensive And we do not know whether that will lead to a nuclear war Think about the Taiwan Straits The tension between two Superpower one is fading away The other one is rising And usually in situations like this Through history You will have challenges And war Think about North Korea. Wow. Another big situation. Right? Could he make that decision to push that button? We won't know, right? It's a VUCA world. And how do you navigate a VUCA world? Yes, there are many things that are beyond our sphere of control and inference. Like what happens, geopolitics, the economy. Those are beyond our control. What we need to to act on will be then acting on the area. My apology, <laughs> I better don't step on here. Else I will. <laughs> uh, it's okay. huh? my apology, church. I just spill water onto your. <laughs> it's okay. I think it's okay, right? Uh, right. So how do you navigate the Vukha world? It's challenging. It's challenging. And uh, if you are in business or you are in the corporate world, then what do you need to pay attention to? Yes, the world is volatile. Uh, Then what does it mean for me if I'm an executive working in a company directing teams? If I'm a business leader, then what does it mean for me uh, to lead the business? So then we look into how do we navigate the VUCA world. It's like ceiling in a stormy sea or ocean, right? And when the storm comes, what do you need to do? You may, at certain time, need to put forth your anchor and ride out the storm, right? When you look at the World, when it's volatile, what is needed is then what could be my vision. How do I look into beyond the daily grind of what I do on a day-to-day basis? Right? What could be my core purpose in life? Vision. Vision. So instead of volatility, we look into vision. Instead of uncertainty, we need to replace it with understanding how do you make sense of reality? beyond the surface, beyond what we see, what, how can we understand deeper changes? Right? Wukawa is complex and beyond. Ah, thank you very much much appreciate uh, beyond the connect beyond the complexity right beyond the tasks that we do on the day-to-day basis then how do we create bonding how do we create belonging how do we create engagement let's say internally within the church and if you are working in a company with your colleagues right And also looking at ambiguity, because it's hazy, there's no right and wrong. And this is also, we need to be agile in our adaptations. So beyond your key preferences, where leading people, managing people, or working in your job on a day-to-day basis, then what alternative style could you employ? right? So VUCA, navigating the VUCA world means we need to be very agile. we need to have have connections, we need to build connections and communications, we need understanding of what is happening, and we need to have, finally, the vision of what could be our core purpose, because whatever that's happening, on the external, if our internal compass is straight and clear, and we have clarity, then that will not waver us, right? Right? Navigating the VUCA world We know that there's major transition Everywhere we see in the world I talk about me being a missionary in China 98 to 2000 And when I went there uh, Challenges in terms of travelling In terms of accommodation And I went back a couple of years ago uh, Before the pandemic And was so surprised A train journey that used to take us Let's say 24 hours Became 8 hours or 6 hours a train journey or a bus journey that took us four hours became half an hour by the high speed railway we can see changes everywhere and and sometimes if changes are so fast i can understand it can be quite disconcerting for many of us right now how many of us can relate to let's say pictures of this huh? i don't, oh okay huh? this is old singapore right ah, i used to take this bus to go to school uh, in the 80s Right, and if you think about this, maybe you can bring back some memories or, or nostalgia and then if you think about Singapore right now change is inevitable right? change is inevitable and uh, of course for m- people and sometimes it is, it, we can see as well that there are major changes huh? if you look at some of this landmark here National Theatre anybody remember National Theatre? Uh, some of the older ones, the fact that they nodded your head means you're older one, right? Or the National Library. Oh, in 2004, right? Or oh, this one, uh, I, I went there was I was a young little kid. The Vancouver Aquarium, you saw the fish there? Uh, yeah. So sometimes, yes, it could be uh, also important to conserve some of our old building because uh, conservation give us certain roots, uh, certain sense of security, or let's say uh, understanding where we have progressed on. Uh, and, and, and even the government say, oh, perhaps they could have conserved some of this building in the past. And of course, now we, we have, in Singapore, we have also have a, a big debate, uh, or we had a big debate in the past, uh, whether we want to conserve another property. Uh, and, and this is the property we are talking about <laughs> whether that could be conserved or not. And you can see that because the old Patriot passed away, it brought about a major change. And using this saga or whether you want to conserve or want to preserve, so the idea is whether you are conservat- cons- conservationist or modernist, huh? or you are sentimentalist or rationalist, right? So you so can see even the saga of, let's, let's say, this place here, this, this, this property, uh, there are many changes because the Patriot passed away, uh, emotions run high, there were big, big challenges in emotions on how do you handle a situation like this? Which brings me to the second point that we need to manage our emotions in times of transitions, right? We need to manage our emotions. Look at the Israelite. And we have read already in chapter 14 of Exodus. They were crying out to Moses, Was there no grave that you brought us to die here in the desert? Right? Leave us alone, right? It would be better for us to be in Egypt. And again, the complaining of the Israelites, the, they, they grumble, they crave for other fruit, fruit, right? And here you can see them wheeling and say, if we have only meat to eat, remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions and the garlic. Ah. Well, now how many of us here are hungry already for lunch? yeah <laughs> yes right and now we have lost our appetite we will never see anything but this manner right so the complaining right there are emotions involved when you go through a transition and in point of transition when you are going through changes it is like you know if you are if you want to walk for example walking like i'm, I'm now walking in a way and if i'm walking i'm moving from point a to point b And in the point of transition, I have to lift up one foot, right? At a point whereby my foot, before it touches and landed on the ground, I'm I'm in a place of vulnerability because I'm not as stable as on two feet, right? So transition is like this. We need to be aware of the emotions we have, especially in transition and in change. If I were to ask you, what could be your definition of change right what could be your definition of change how will you define change and change is this huh? change is about moving from state A to state B to a transition process transitional process right right so change this is change moving from A to B you know, reflect back on your own life. How many transitions have you gone through, right? From baby uh, to a child to a teenage years? What else? Uh, to the point of a young working adult, to the point of marriage and starting a family, to the point of working and being productive in your work, to the point of, for, for some of us, maybe uh, we are slowing down, retiring, right? And uh, this is also the state, if you look into a person's life cycle, And in business world, uh, the product life cycle transition Or the organizational life cycle, right? So a sales life cycle is something like this uh. There is the stage of introduction of this product or the company Then there's a stage of growth And then maturity And if you don't change If you don't work and retool your ability, what happens? You go on a decline decline, right? So whether is it a product life cycle, whether is it our own personal life in terms of productivity or organisational life cycle, we can think of many, many major corporations, famous brands that were that are no longer here today, right? Because they have gone through decline. And that's why Andy Grove, the Intel, Intel co-founder says this, huh? there is at least one point in history of any company that you have to trade change dramatically to rise to the next level of performance miss that moment and you start to decline right so some companies are better than in reinventing themselves so that they move on to the next level of performance and we have seen those let's say in the corporate world at a personal level then some people are also better at reinventing themselves Adapting to changes Whereas then there are others who say No, I resist the change I like to remain The same old, same old I do not like to change If I were to ask each of us here How many of us like change? How many of us really like change? Actually the answer is no huh? you know, For myself it's the same I like to do the things In the same way At my own time Right, I don't like to change. When change is enforced upon us, then it creates tensions and reactions. Of course, change can happen gradually. eh? Right, gradually. So you can change in incremental step, step by step. Looking at, let's say, for example, uh, your camera phone, the megapixel go from one to two to three to four to now it's hundred megapixel. And then there is also drastic change, revolutionary change. When, for example, if your company is acquired by another competitor, and suddenly you get to look, work with you know, your competitors. It's a revolutionary change, right? For example, if you are retrenched, it's def- uh, definitely a revolutionary change. There's gradual change, and then of course there is drastic change. Then the other type of change that we want to talk about is this change, whereby we say it's reactive change, and proactive change. What is reactive change? Reactive change is when change is imposed upon us. Change is imposed upon us. And usually, if it's unwelcome change, we don't like that change, then we struggle. We go through what we call an emotional curve, or the mourning curve. So this is what we call the reactive change. When an unwelcome change is imposed upon us, for example, if you know, one of my colleagues whom I'm very close with, during the pandemic, you know, we work, I work for a European company as, uh, as, as a partner, meaning that I'm doing my own work here. And uh, he'd been in the company for 25 years. And he lost his job during the pandemic because it was a challenging time for training and consultancy. How do you gather people for training, right? And 24 years, he is one of the key producers, one of those few-person consultants who can sell what we call a million-dollar training program, and they lay him over. Huh? He went through what we call a, a change, uh, a morning curve, huh? reactive change. Uh, for example, if something happens uh, to us, let's say if I uh, get a stroke and I'm unable to speak well, and I, I know of a friend who, have, who, who experienced this recently, what happens, huh? what happens? What happens? So the first stage of a change, and this is usually taken from the psychology of what happens when a person loses a loved one. You experience this emotional curve. First is denier. No, 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 no. It should not be me, right? I should not be the one who is retrenched. Or no, 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 no. Uh, why must it be me? So the first stage is denier. And then the second stage is anger. Anger. Being upset with the change, right? Upset. And then what could be the next stage? Because this part is all about the emotion. And we talk about nostalgia or sadness. You go into depression. And especially an unwelcome change is imposed upon you. I do not know what changes or major transition you are going through at this moment. Perhaps you are on one of these emotions. Nostalgia because you think about what you are about to lose. Think about the good old times. Nostalgia, sadness. And then the next stage will be you go through this emotion of fear. Fear. Why? Because you do not know what is ahead. Whereas nostalgia, look look at this say, uh viewpoint if backward, you know what am I going to lose? Fear is about lo- looking forward, the uncertainty of what is ahead. Right? So here are the emotions. And then of course the next stage will be if you are able to accept the change. You go into the rational portion, you start to have what we call bargaining or negotiation. Right? Negotiation sometimes with yourself, sometimes let's say with your employer. If a change is imposed upon you, uh, you're supposed to move from team A to team B. Right? And you go through these challenges in terms of your emotions. Comes a point where do you move from emotions to rationality when you start to negotiate ah sure i can take on another team members or i can lead another project group uh, if you could increase my salary or what could be the benefits right so you go into bargaining and then you're moving and then if you are able to bargain and then you come to a choice or decision do i accept the change can i move ahead with a change if the answer is no likely you go back to the stage of bargaining right Right, So I uh, experienced this with uh, how I saw uh, two of my close friends. One, a consultant, 24 years, 25 years in the company, retrenched uh, in 2021 uh, because of the challenging economic situation. Right, Anger, nostalgia, pretty much for two years, uh, he was feeling very depressed. Huh? So mostly n- nostalgia and fear, sadness. Uh, for my friend who lost his speech, fear, Well. What is the hate? How can I communicate? Every time when he asks us for lunch, uh, it's quite challenging. Met him many times for lunch. And what we can do, maybe a few sentences. It's a, also very hard for him to type on the uh, phone itself uh, because of his condition. Right? So then you make a choice. And if your choice is yes, of course, then it's readjustment. Huh? It's readjustment. Readjustment, you make plans to welcome the change or you make adjustment uh, to adapt to the change and ultimately uh, the last stage will be accomplishment or commitment to the change process right so morning curve we need to be aware if you are a person working in a company and you are imposing change or or leading change or managing change yes for you you may have known all the reasons for the change what are people under you how do you cascade the change downward What could be the emotions your people are feeling when they undergo uh, through these changes? For us here, perhaps we are going through a transition. Which stage are you at right now? Uh, And different people go through this curve with different timeline. Uh, For example, when my mom passed away, for me it was very quick from straight away going into a choice, accepting the fact that she passed away and making readjustment for the funeral arrangement and then commitment that, yeah, my mom is not around. That was 10 years ago. For my sister, that time she was staying in Europe and it was very difficult for her to go through this change. Three years later, one day she called me crying on the phone. And what happens? All the emotions starts again. She blamed the doctors. She goes through the whole details. And I spoke for two hours with her. She was crying. Mom should not be dead. You know, we have done this. This will not have happened. We have changed the doctors. Blah, blah, blah. Why? Because there was still anger, sadness, depression, fear, so on. So emotions could be very real, especially if something drastic and unwelcome is imposed upon us. Uh, Some of us may be going through grief at this moment and you're experiencing this emotional or mourning curve, right? So this is reactive change when unwelcome change is imposed upon us. What about the other side of the story? If you are the one taking initiative for the change, what would you be experiencing, right? So this would be what we call the discovery curve, proactive change. For myself, I went through many transitions. At the age of 45, you know, now I'm 55 this year, I decided it's time for a change. Why? Uh, I've been in the church for 10 years. I know what's going to happen day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. It was very comfortable uh, in the church, Uh, well-respected in a big church, you know, serving uh, in a leadership team. And after a while, I felt uh, empty, I felt stagnated. I felt that I need to go on and move on to do something different. just I do not know what it is that, right? So you, anybody ever felt this kind of feeling, you know, uh, wholly discontent? Yeah, you are in a place, and at the same time, you just have this stirring in your heart or in your belly that I need to change. right? So I think about my life as a Christian. Uh, I used to take risks. I travel everywhere. I do a lot of different things. And then over 10 years as a pastor in a church, it's very comfortable. It's a very sanitized place. But who are the people that I minister to? Christians. And over 10 years as a pastor, I have zero non-Christian friends. I came to a realization one day that, huh, is this all about Christian life? Am I here called to serve the people of God so that they maintain the safe, you know, we call it minister to, so that the people will maintain their salvation, ministering to the safetyness of the safe, right? So I began, of course, to think about this, took a sabbatical, went on to study at Fuller for my doctorate degree, and of course, subsequently, I left the church, resigned on. And uh, why? Why? Because I think there should be something more. I, I, I want to embrace change. And I went on this, what we call discovery curve. Huh? So I thought about this when I left. I say, okay, let's, let's look into ministry differently. How about working on what we call organic church structure, home church structure. We don't need uh, paid staff. Uh, uh, in a big church of, let's say, 5,000, basically 10% of the people serve 90% of the people, right? You know, people come in, walk out, People are craving for, for, for community, authentic relationship. Uh, and, and what could be something that we should focus on as a church? It's about building a community, building life together, living life together. And in a picture setting, well, yeah, of course, you have always a lot of people walking in for Sunday or walking out. Uh, yes, that they did their minimum uh, Christian uh, duties and I'm thankful for that. I'm not complaining about that just that for me for me i find that there should be something more i talk to young adults. they say pastor you know why why am i not in church on sunday uh, yes i've been listening to thousands of sermons and it would be more fruitful for me if i were to gather a group of my friends you know they are at a stage whereby they have young children go for a picnic you know enjoy uh, the companionship of one another Maybe somebody open up the Word, share a scripture, and then we have good learning and sharing, rather than in a service like what I'm doing now. One way. One way. So I want to build a relationship, then it has to be two-way. So I went into, let's say for example, looking into organic church. And in an organic church or home church, we have no building to maintain. We have no staff to pay. Uh, And the idea is also plurality or leadership everybody is self-sufficient self-supporting by vocational ministry which means i need to find a job which means i need to be productive and contribute and this is also where i think that i could be an uh, impact uh, in the world in the marketplace right talk to my mentor uh, and then discuss this what could be my strength what could be my ability and then okay eh, kieran you know how about this maybe you could do a consultancy work, trainer and uh, so okay uh, make connections so my mentor helped me to make connection with somebody who then, make connection with somebody who then make connection with somebody. To cut the story short, then I uh, became a partner uh, with a European consultancy company. Right? So what does it mean to be a partner? Uh, here, I, I'm running the business. Uh, basically, I work with them using their IP, uh, selling on their behalf, delivering their programs on their behalf. Right? So I thought, okay, this could be a very nice fit. And the reason is because if you are a consultant, you are working on your own work, You have time to choose your job. You have freedom to do ministry and you have also freedom to earn a living, right? Uh, Sounds like a good idea, right? So the first stage in a change process because when I move into this change in 2015, ah, naive enthusiasm. That's the first stage. Wow, how nice would it be I could manage my own time, I have freedom, naive enthusiasm. So then I started on 2015, and what did I experience next? Anybody in a change process, you are just starting a business or you are just starting a new role? Ah, the next stage is this. Ah. Root Awakening. Wow, <laughs> it's not as easy as you think it is. It was a shock for me because apart from delivering program, I need to sell the program. And for the first eight months, I sold zero. I have no income, right? Because my own work rule awakening and it was like so challenging you know i talked to my mentor who was helping me uh, i have two mentors one is spiritual mentor and the other one is the work mentor which is this guy who was retrenched now he's of course a, a close working uh, partner as well rule awakening you cannot overcome your guru awakening was so shocking and the next stage is doubt can i make it am i called to do this work I distinctly remember talking to my mentor. I think the most I can give myself is two years. If not, then maybe I need to apply <laughs> and work in a church as a pastor again, right? <laughs> right. Doubt. If you cannot overcome your doubt. You give up and then you short-circuit your discovery curve, your change initiative, right? So my other mentor, business mentor was saying, Kiran, what could be so small, low-hanging fruits, right? And then this is where after eight months, I got invited by a, a Finnish company uh, to give a pitch and then they accepted my proposal, did a leadership program for their senior management and also uh, leadership training in Singapore, in, in Tianqing. And then this is what we call second win because there was a small little success. The small little success, the low-hanging fruits, you know, helps me and propel me with a second win to move ahead. And what is next if you get a second win? Of course, with the second win, if you continue on on that trajectory, the next part will be hope. You'll gain more confidence in what you're doing, right? I can share many examples whereby, you know, pitching to people not speaking the right language, HR director, business leader, C-suite level, and they can be very curt in the business world. They have tell me, Kiran, I heard that story. You have 20 minutes to present. If you have nothing else, you know, please don't waste our time. I heard things like this uh, right at my face as well, right? So you go through this discovery curve, right? If you go, you get hope. You have a second win, you have hope. And of course, the last stage will be achievement, right? So I've gone through uh, two years, let's say transitional process, uh, doing my studies. And then the last eight years, uh, working in this organisation, achievement, right? So persevere through, of course, for me, I experienced, let's say, a good outcome. I know that not every change initiative are, uh, finally have a good outcome, right? So look at the world let's say major major uh, let's say merger and acquisitions, and studies have shown that you know, less than one third of them actually succeed, right? So perhaps you are starting something, you need to be aware of the discovery curve. Maybe you are thinking of changing your job, yeah, or you have changed your job and you are probably in a uh, situation like this. And for my own personal experience, because I felt stagnant, stagnated, and through, let's say, my experience of going through this change process, which leads me to a third point is that we need to embrace change. And why? Because change is an opportunity for our own personal growth. If we want to grow, we need to change. We need to embrace change. There's no two-way about it. Change is a constant, right? If you need to grow, right, you need to change. And I can see that for my process, the life that I've gone through, the experience I had, if I've been a pastor, right, I may be doing the same old, same old. Yes, I may have grown in other areas. And right now, as a consultant working in the business world, working with colleagues who were actually high up, top-notch level leaders, running organizations of the thousands of thousands, It's an experience I will not get it as a pastor, right? So change helps me to grow, let's say, in my leadership capacity and ability. Change helps me also in my own personal life. In the past, uh, I'm quite directive. In the past, I could tell people off quite easily. I don't consider because what I consider is more task-focused. Over the years, yes, you know, going through the process of change, I see myself change. Uh, fortunately, I think uh, for myself, for the better, not for the worse. Right, change. Embrace change. Look at the Israelites, right? Moses answered them, right? Stand firm. As they go through this transitional process, the Egyptian that you see today, you will see no more. I do not know what could be your Egypt in your life, right? I do not know what kind of obstacles you are facing. The Egyptian that you see today, you will see no more when you embrace change so that you can grow, right? You can see in Deuteronomy chapter 26, the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. With great terror and with signs of wonder, He brought us to this place to give us a land, a land flowing with milk and honey, right? The promised land. From a stateless people to nationhood, and you can see also in Joshua, every place that your foot set forth, right? God saying to Joshua, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, or the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. When we go through change and challenges, those are great words of comfort and assurance that the Lord has for us. We can rely on Him. We can trust in Him that He never leave us. He never, never forsake us. Whatever the challenges that you are facing, God is with us right change change we know all the great bible character they grow through change abraham make major changes initiative he left the land of uh, the Chaldeans and he moved to canaan right major changes Mo, uh, joseph a change imposed upon him most of the time it was not his doing he didn't want that change all right? Change was imposed on him, reactive change. I believe he went through the emotional curve, the morning curve, multiple times. Right? So you look at Moses, the story, right? Moses' life can be divided into 40, 40 and 40, 120 years. Right? 40, 40 and 40. 40 years in the palace, 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years, right? Learning, learning in, in, in and then 40 years in the wilderness with the Egypt, with, with the Israelite. Uh Paul himself, major changes. And because of Paul, acceptance, and emblazing of the change upon him, his conversion experience, we have the New Testament, much of the New Testament, major Bible characters. Right? For us, the believers, we need to change. What could be our believer's transformation, right? So we read these scriptures, and we all, we unveil faces, looking as in a mirror, and the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, right? Or the Spirit. So there's justifications, then there's sanctification, and glorification, change. God is always doing a new thing, huh? Eh? God is always doing a new thing, right? Have you not perceived it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and stream in the wasteland, right? Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43, right? So change, change, change help us. I want to just close quickly with this story of Pastor Dial. Now I was there just two weeks ago after doing my training for the corporations. And then I say, okay, let's extend because uh, this is a pastor that we worked with in my previous church for many years. And, and uh, I say, okay, let's, let, let me visit him uh, after more than 12 years of so not going there. We, are, we have always still been in contact. Right? So this is Pastor Daya and his wife, Mala, and the granddaughter. Uh, right? So I visited him. After 12 years, he went through major changes. Uh, in the past, when we worked with him, he has a uh, orphanage of 100 over children after the tsunami of 2004 in Sri Lanka. And if some of us may be aware of what's happening in Sri Lanka, the economic crisis, inflation at 70 to 80%. Right? Each vehicle, your petrol, 30 litres per week. No more. Right? Electricity price, four times previously before the pandemic. Now they are going through the IMF a uh, package. Uh, they have to keep to certain, let's say, uh, uh, physical uh, what I call it, uh, regulations. Uh, tax increase three times, four times. So everybody is paying high taxes. A lot of people are trying to leave Sri Lanka. Uh, I've been working with him right uh, in a way. He went through major changes in his life. Uh, used to have the orphanage, great ministry, converting a lot of people, and of course then you get the attacks from the enemy. So from 2012 to 2016, he was on the Sri Lanka National Newspaper. Why? Accusation against him of raping the children, of abusing the children. All these were trump up charges by the media because of religious opposition from another major religion there. Right? And he went through, he shared with me that during those times, he was under depressions because they took away all the children. Uh, he was under surveillance. He cannot dare to go out because he was afraid that people would beat him out. Over four years, can you imagine? He lost in many areas of their ministry. He's unable to go out. Even his closest friend, some of them may even doubt him. He said, yeah, this thing could happen because it's all widely reported in the media. Finally, after four and a half years, all the government investigation, interviewing all the children, you know, the charges going through the court process, and they found no charges. right? So finally, why is the charges? And the, the, judge, the, the lawyer say, Why is your charges? You cannot put a person under four and a half years without a charge. Without a charge. So why is your charge? And ultimately, he was released without a charge because they were all trump up charges. Oh, when I met with him again after 12 years, uh, I was quite emotional because I realized the extent of what he went through. Changes uh, Changes imposed upon us Sometimes we do not have All the answers of changes Like what happens? Yes, his ministry is taken away Yes, now he's doing Different ministry He's still faithfully uh, Faithfully building the church And what we can say Is that through Thick and thin Through tough times Through good times The Lord is with us As he was with Pastor Dyer Through all the difficult circumstances I believe As you go through changes As what he has experienced God is with us that's why we look into today's message and I'll close, huh? right? Uh, from fear to faith, and embracing, embracing God's plan for change, acknowledge that change is inevitable. Uh, when we are going through transition, we need to manage our emotions in time of transitions and we need to embrace change because change really helps us uh, to grow. And ultimately, if you think about this, one thing we can be a certain of is this. God says, he doesn't change. Malachi three six, for I the Lord do not change. Hebrew thirteen eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. We can look to him. He doesn't change. He can be the anchor and the rock for us to stand firm. In this Vukha world that's volatile, that's complex, that's uncertain, that's ambiguous. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for your people who are gathered here. Lord, I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit that whoever that they are experiencing today, Father, be it a change that they are initiated or a change that is imposed upon them. Lord, whether they are going through a, a discovery curve or a morning curve, an emotional curve. Lord, be it losing of a loved one or a sickness or financial situation. Lord, a change that's unwelcome. Father, I pray that you help them because you promise to never, never, never leave us nor forsake us. You promise to be with us all the days of our life as we seek you. Lord, I pray that you minister to your people today. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us, Lord, today. Help us to manage our emotions in time of change. Help us, Lord, to know your season when we need to change. Help us also to take the courage to move from fear to faith, to step up in faith when you have called us, Lord. To be that light, to be that salt wherever you place us. Be in the marketplace. Also be in the ministry in the church. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.